Beloved by God Church, let us begin our service before the Lord. Let us stand up and confirm the confessions of the faith of our heart, the promise that belongs to the door of our hope. May the resurrection of Christ be enthroned within our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for the privilege of being in this place that your hand has appointed for the worshiping of your holy name. And now allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights that are not reachable for us and destroy all burden and sin that binds us. May in the service, as previously, all the works of devil be cursed, illnesses, poverty, untimely death, demonic possessions, all matter of fear, depression, destruction, ignorance and error, all of this may depart from the tents of your holy people. And now stand, O Lord, upon the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might, and may your saints be clothed into your salvation, and rejoice before your face. Give us more of your Spirit. Saturate us with your Holy Spirit. Allow us to find your great face. We thank you that the service is presented by Apostle Arkady into your godly hands, and we pray. Continue to lead it with a mighty and powerful arm, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May you be seated. The book of Jeremiah 6, 16. Thus says the Lord, Stand in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths, where the good way is, and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. Returning to the Old Path of Good As a basis for our study of the Old Path of Good, we turn to the words of Apostle Paul, who by the mercy and inspiration of the Holy Spirit was successfully able to, in short and exact definitions, explain the consistency of the order that exists within the teaching of Christ. Hebrews 6, 1-2 Therefore, sprinkling yourself with the elementary teaching of Christ, and clothing yourself with the armor of light, which consists in the rule of this teaching, we will then build ourselves into a house of God, because it is not possible to lay again the foundation of repentance from dead works, and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, laying on of the hands, resurrection of the dead, and the eternal judgment. In a specific format, as much as God has allowed in the measure of our faith, we already studied the doctrine of the baptisms, in three functions, baptism of water, Holy Spirit, and fire. The doctrine of laying on of the hands, in three functions, the covenant of blood, salt, and rest. And the doctrine of the resurrection of the dead, in the functions of three births, birth from water, from the Spirit, and to the throne. Therefore, we will immediately turn to the study of the doctrine of the eternal judgment, which in Scripture is a triumphant accord in the elementary teaching of Jesus Christ and contains three mutually linked levels of the will of God. Romans 12:1-2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 
in this place of scripture, we see three forms of God's will. Good will, acceptable will, perfect will. These three forms of God's will are in scripture and they pursue specific goals and have specific functions. The functions of the three wills of God combined are identified in scripture as a work of righteousness in the works of justice and a work of sanctification in the acts of holiness. Again, what are the functions of God's three wills? They are the work of righteousness in the works of justice and a work of sanctification in the acts of holiness. And these acts of holiness and works of justice demonstrated by God through us clothes a person, us, into the armor of light demonstrated in the eternal judgment. This armor of light, once we're clothed into it, demonstrates this eternal judgment. And as we could see, this teaching is the triumphant and if it's triumphant, then of course the Holy Spirit as nowhere else will show the importance of the Word of God, the importance of God's will, and His will is in His Word. And when we are clothed into it, we are being clothed into the armor of light, into God's judgment. Revelations 22.11 He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. These are people who do not want to collaborate, are people who think they're collaborating with the Word of God, but don't understand that when we proclaim God's will, then we are clothed into God's uh, righteousness as justice. And so he who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. But he who is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he who is holy, let him be holy still. <clears throat> and so this is not uh, given to us in the form of an alternative. This is a command. The righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. This is, again, given in the form of a command. And when it's the word commandments, it is consisting of two words as command and mens meaning mandates. God gives these mandates, he gives these commands and mandates. There's a command and there's a specific statute as to what God, how God wants us to do it. And so God wants us to perform righteousness and he wants us to be holy. In a specific format, we together in the doctrine of the eternal judgment, which contains three levels of God's will, already studied the first two levels, the power contained in the goodwill and the acceptable will. And we'll be studying today the third, and that is the perfect will, which is the omega, which crowns the teaching of Jesus Christ. The wall of the heavenly Jerusalem, consisting of the twelve precious foundations, the teaching of the eternal judgment demonstrated in the perfect will of God is made of the precious amethyst stone. Revelations 21, 14, 19, and 20. Now the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The foundation of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The twelfth foundation, amethyst. 
Every precious stone, making up the twelve foundations of the wall of the heavenly Jerusalem, symbolizes a specific component that identifies the character of a good heart. And we could see here that the twelve precious stones, and so if a Christian has a good heart, then it will correspond to all of these twelve precious stone stones. He looks at our heart, the Lord, not just as a precious stone, but all of these precious stones combined and put into our heart. When we hear precious stone, this is a character and quality of a good heart of a Christian person. From which we can conclude that when God will be building a relationship with man by the power contained in his perfect will, then he will be speaking to man by the voice coming from the sacred sacred mystery of the unearthly amethyst stone. The earthly amethyst stone is beautiful, but when the Lord will be speaking, he'll speak by the voice of the unearthly amethyst stone. And thus, we'll see the beauty of the unearthly amethyst stone. Earthly stones, precious stones, like the amethyst stone, it's hard to sometimes turn your eyes away from it because it's so beautiful. And so that is why the angels they look at the church and they look at that place where the truth is because there they see the beauty of all of these precious stones how much they want to see God in the heart of a Christian and it will be there if the truth is there and if not then it won't and so the unearthly amethyst which in this foundation represents the name written upon it the name of the apostle Judas Iscariot Matthew 10 to 4. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these, twelfth Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. We've already noted that it is specifically the name of the apostle written upon each of the twelve foundations of the wall of the heavenly Jerusalem that identify and characterize this foundation, and in the given situation the power contained in the name Judas Iscariot reveal ri- within this foundation the character and purpose of the perfect will of God. Considering that the individual Judas Iscariot brings about a series of difficult questions in the mind of a person that knows the wisdom of God, the questions are how Jesus could choose him as a disciple, trust him with the treasury and the sermons of the gospel if he from the beginning knew that Judas would betray him. The very same questions arise regarding the fallen cherub How can God, who from the beginning knew and foreknew the future of each of the created by him heavenly dwellers, would allow a third of his servants to be in control of covering him with themselves? And so to these two questions, we have three answers. The first answer is that every name that is connected to God and his kingdom is a virtue, calling, and place in the structure of his kingdom that only one who is worthy of this place can occupy or hold. 
and if this someone does not correspond to and abandons their place, then he loses his virtue and his place in the kingdom of heaven, and then this place or this name will become the inheritance of another, one who is worthy of it. Revelations 3.11 Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. Second answer, if during the creation God would have only given the angels and men the instincts of an animal, lacking sovereignty, demonstrated in free and independent reasoning abilities to choose between good and bad and between death and life, then they would not have been individuals or sovereign individuals. God wanted such servants and, and children to surround him who just like him would possess sovereign rights just like he does and would be able, like him by his example, to choose the virtue of being his servant or not. Since in essence God did not create Satan, he created a cherubim who overshadowed, who himself transformed himself into a hater of God. Therefore as soon as the overshadowing cherub and the following him angels stopped serving God and began to hate him, God stopped serving them and began hating them. And it is just the same that God did not create wicked people. They themselves have made themselves like this, and this was their choice being supported by Satan. The wicked are those people who were previously holy, but after abandoned their post and went their own personal ways, hating their virtue contained in their name. Due to which God also abandons them and stops serving them and rejected them from before his face. God loves and serves only those people who love Him and prove their love to Him by serving Him and His children. And third answer, unfaithfulness and betrayal of one is a test of the faithfulness of another. Being tested by the unfaithfulness of men who once were one with us, we form an immunity in our essence against all lawlessness and arbitrary acts. And it is this immunity that will be eternal guarantee both for God and for us that when we inherit the new heaven and the new earth, that nothing like this will happen again, not with angels or with us. And so, the very interesting answers that our Apostle Arkady gives us when we are asked if God, the all omnipresent, omniscience, the one who knows everything, how can he choose an apostle that would betray him? How can he place for service a cherub that he knew would bet betray him as well? We need to always have the right answer, the right answer, how we hear it and how we're taught. And we need to always be able to uh, explain it because questions like this arise because a person is not familiar with God. Being familiar with God will allow you to then to understand how this happens. Our God and His kingdom and all that are there have a name. God communicates with a person who has a name. A na and within this name there's a virtue, there's a calling and a specific place of a person. And when God gives a place to someone, He wants that place or that post 
to be occupied by someone with sovereign rights. That means he has the uh, choice to either serve God or not, to love God or not love God, whether he chooses evil or good, death or life, blessing or cursing. He gives the choice because he wants this place to be occupied by a sovereign person just as he is sovereign and who has made a decision uh, when it comes to us and to love us and he wants us to choose the same when he offers to us death and life in this case he does not command he offers choose death or life and so when people refuse to, to serve God they abandon their post when they abandon their post they abandon their calling and if they abandon their calling they they lose their virtue before God and when they lose their virtue they forever die to God and it's interesting how pastor says this he explains this has happened and this can, will always happen in churches this will be a time of sorrow for certain people and for others it will be joy because we we will then form immunity against lawlessness it's important for God's for God that we be in a church with theocratical structure because that's the same structure that's in heaven and God places us into such a church to see how we will behave if we were in heaven would we have taken the side of the overshadowing cherubim that became Lucifer and Satan or would we have taken the other side so he then gives us a choice and the church is tested there are certain people that leave others become better stronger and they form immunity which then gives them the guarantee and God sees that he can spend eternity with this person and people hide in the democratic structure <clears throat> why because they elect people that can lie to them and that he, they don't need to then rebel against <clears throat> and unfortunately such people that if they if they end up in a church that has a theocratical structure system they will be rebelling and so people who have hidden themselves in democratic structures churches so that they not uh, receive a vaccine from arrogance and lawlessness and so unfortunately there were times uh, that uh, in school even people would avoid taking the examinations and so they would give them two uh, as it were for F's uh, where he would not complete what he needed to and the way he behaved and so let us now look at the name Judas Simon Iscariot written upon the 12th foundation of the wall of the heavenly Jerusalem which was received later by another who was worthy of it. The name Judas means praising Yahweh. At the same time the name Simon means to hear or to listen. Together or combined these two names upon the 12th foundation Judas and Simon Upon the twelfth foundation of the wall of the heavenly Jerusalem means given the legitimate ability to bring praise to God in the format of the perfect will of God, which God will hear. <clears throat> Again, Judas and Simon, these two names combined, praise and hearing. Pastor clearly shows this, what they mean together. This is a person who has the ability to bring praise to God in the format of the perfect will of God, 
which then God will hear. In other words, speaking of praise which God will hear will become the opportunity for God to fulfill His final verdict, one that is not subject to change or appeal, as a just reward for the sown good and vengeance for sown evil. In the twelfth foundation of the wall, the name Judas Simon, the primary being Judas, meaning praising Yahweh, at the, and the name of his father as the second or the following name after Judas. And so Judas Simon. Again, the primary name being Judas, the one that follows is his name Simon, his father's name. The name Simon that follows the name Judas speaks of the fact that in the given situation, God only listens to the prayer of a person who is able to have fellowship with him in the format of such praise that would satisfy the demands of his perfect will. And we will see later. As we remember <clears throat> that the first stone is Simon, son of Jonah. And then, as we know, Simon, son of, jo- of Simon, son of Jonah, also was Cephas, which was then Peter. And so, if our praise that is brought in the form of a perf- of the perfect will of God, this kind of prayer is a prayer then that God will listen to. He won't listen to every kind of praise. He will look at whether we correspond to the name Judas and then will listen to us if we don't have this. Uh, then he says, you need to not speak, but first listen and learn. And when I receive the word <clears throat> and my heart collaborates with the words of the person whom, who is placed over me, then God allows my lips to collaborate then with his lips. Very important. Judas Simon. God listens again or hears only that praise that is presented in the format of his perfect will. Because it is only by the means of praise that is made upon the demands of the perfect will of God is what will allow the final verdict to be accomplished over the fallen angels and wicked persons. The verdict that is not subject to appeal or change as a just and eternal vengeance for the evil that is sown and simultaneously a great reward for the good that is sown. Only in such union and such sequence can these two powerful virtues bring us into the level of the perfect will and make us partakers of these virtues consisting in the perfect will of the Heavenly Father. Therefore, the character of the perfect will identified by the name Judas Simon in this twelfth foundation represents the lion from the tribe of Judah in the virtue of the name Omega as the true face that fulfills the perfect will of the Heavenly Father. And so Judas Simon he fell away and who came forth the line from the tribe of Judah Jesus himself. And so there are twelve disciples And, and so there were two only that were from the line of Judah, as it were, through David, and the others were all Galileans. 
And when Judas Iscariot fell away, Jesus, as the Omega, occupied that position, that place. He also offered that to Peter, but Peter, as his name is Rock, it's also Jesus Christ. And so he kept his name, but Judas Simon lost the virtue that he had in his name, and Jesus, as a line from the tribe of Judah, took his position. Why? So that we together, people who have come into God's perfect will, can occupy that place from which uh, Judas Iscariot fell. Because this was, this is the place where God wanted us to proclaim God's perfect will. Because God without our praise will not be able to uh, fulfill the final verdict over the evil and the wicked and reward for the good. He will do this through the people that are in his perfect will. And so Jesus, again, is the one that, uh, that occupied then this position, this place, where we collaborate with the power of the Holy Spirit, are called to clothe into the virtue of the name Judas Simon. And in this collaboration, each of the sides and has their own role, which cannot be somehow canceled or fulfilled by someone else. Our role clothing our praise into the format of an oath, which contains the perfect will of the Heavenly Father, we in this way proclaim the righteousness of God in His eternal and inevitable judgment. At the same time, the role of God who listens to our praise clothed into the format of an oath, God receives the ability to fulfill His oath or bring about the verdict proclaimed by us in His judgments written in Scripture. And so, our praise is clothed into the format of the perfect will. God's role is to fulfill this praise that is clothed into the format of His perfect will. If our praise is not clothed into the format of a perfect of His perfect will, then He will not do anything on planet Earth uh, when it comes to our prayer or not fulfill those things that we are speaking. Judas Iscariot could not do this, but as Jesus took his place as a lion from the tribe of Judah, we in Jesus Christ have access to this precious stone. In scripture, whole, a holy, in scripture it says a holy place has no, that the, a holy place can never be empty or a throne will never be empty. There will always be another that will take its, take its place or position. Judas lost his virtue, he lost his name, but the importance of the name and the position or the or the the role has not been lost. And we are placed there in Jesus Christ. Therefore, to collaborate with God and clothing our heart into the virtue of the name Judas Simon, and we will remember when we hear the name Judas Simon, There's nothing left from that person who actually lived in Iscariot. As is a Judas Iscariot, that he's from Iscariot. Uh, this is a Judas that lives in the city Portland, in the city, uh, in any other city of the world. These are those. These are people who proclaim the perfect will of God. The one that was from Iscariot, he fell out from his calling, his role. And so it is necessary for us to study the functions contained in this name, 
as well as the role that God has allocated both for himself as well as for us. Considering the format of the given sermon, we will limit ourselves to the only a few very significant po- components where the name Judas, uh, Judas Simon gives the children of God the right, by the means of praise to God, to perform the judgments of God within the boundary of the essence of the perfect will, both for punishment as well as for salvation. <clears throat> Let us look at these components. Do we have them? And can we occupy that place that today is that's, that place that is not vacant, as it were? Jesus t- has taken that place. Jesus says, The one who overcomes, I will allow to sit upon my throne just as I have overcome. This place is occupied by Christ, but for me, it is vacant. I need to occupy and take that place. But as it were, it is not vacant, but for us, we need to take uh, take that position, we need to take that place, occupy that position, so I could proclaim praise that would finally be able to unleash the final verdict upon the wicked. First component of the abilities contained in the name Judas Simon is called to deliver and save only those who are beloved by God. And all of the places that Apostle Arkady will bring forth... <clears throat> They're as if split into two parts. First, uh, we will see the name Judah or Judas, <clears throat> and then we will uh, see the second name Simon. And as soon as Simon or the name Simon is, we will we will see the Lord hears. We see that the Lord hears, and when the Lord hears, something begins to happen. And so it was written. Uh, Upon this stone, Simon, uh, Judas, Simon, and we will be able to see both these names again in each of these places that the Lord, the pastor uh, will bring. Psalm 108, three, uh, 3 through 6. I will praise you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your mercy is great above the heavens, and your truth reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens, and your glory above all the earth, that your beloved may, may be delivered, save with your right hand and hear me. Psalm 108, 3 through 6. And so Yahweh says, how are you going to praise me? In the given place, praise to God, praising him among the peoples and singing praises to him among the nations is presented in the format of the mercy of God that is above the heavens and truth that reaches to the clouds. This is the perfect praise. Praise that is done by a person that is in the perfect will. He proclaims that mercy be above the heavens and his truth reach reach to the clouds. Furthermore, the beloved by God are those people who in the creation of their praise can exalt the mercy of God above the heavens and his truth to the clouds. The phrase that your beloved may be delivered, save with your right hand, and hear me, belong to the virtue contained in the name Simon. And the reason this phrase belongs to the abilities of the name Simon is because this phrase identifies the role of God, where God, as a response to the praise that is brought and clothed into the format of mercy and truth, receives the ability to listen to us and in this way deliver us from all of our enemies and show us his salvation. In other words, when we begin to lift up or exalt the mercy of God above the heavens and the truth of God 
to the clouds, then he will hear us within the level of his perfect will and will receive the ability to deliver us from all of our enemies and save us from save us with his right hand. However, the main intrigue is how and why the mercy of God is above the heavens and the truth of God only to the clouds. Psalm 138, 2. I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth, for you have magnified your word above all your names. <clears throat> we conclude that only because of his holy temple are we able to know his mercy, where he has clothed us into the garments of righteousness and his truth by which he has made us free from sin. Specifically in the church, in his temple, do we get to know mercy and truth. God justifies a person according to his mercy, but sanctifies according to his truth. And so we're looking at the connection, why mercy is above the heavens, but truth to the clouds. God sanctifies a person, <clears throat> justifies a person according to his mercy, but sanctifies according to his truth. John 17, 17, sanctified them by your truth. This is how Christ prayed about his disciples before he was going to lay down his life for them. Therefore, the mercy of God is called to justify a person. At the same time, the truth of God is called to sanctify a person. <clears throat> it is specifically these two actions combined that make a person the holiness of God and God's personal belonging. The fact that truth abides in the clouds speaks of the fact that it is the clouds of God that are called to represent His truth. As much as we know, clouds is a symbol of a righteous nation in Scripture, people justified by God according to His mercy, as it is written, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, Hebrews 12.1. <clears throat> and so again, mercy and truth. Mercy is above the heavens, and truth is to the clouds. Truth demonstrates itself in these clouds. It says a cloud of witnesses in his children. To better understand, let us bring another place of scripture that talks about mercy and truth and what kind of collaboration exists between these two. Mercy justifies a person. It justifies a person and truth And so again, mercy, which is above the heavens, <clears throat> and truth that is to the clouds. And so mercy, it justifies me, and truth, it sanctifies me, it separates me. But we need to look at this a little bit uh, in, more, in, in more detail. Psalm 85, 9 through 13. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth have met together. Mercy and truth have met together. Righteous and pe righteousness and peace have kissed. Marriage shall take place between righteousness and peace. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yes, the Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and shall make his footsteps our pathways. Psalm 85, 9-13 In the given 
concept, mercy produces righteousness or clothes into righteousness. At the same time, truth produces peace in the relationship of God and man and man with God. Therefore, when mercy and truth meet together, they produce righteousness and peace. Mercy and truth will meet together and then righteousness and peace will kiss. And this needs to happen in the life of every holy person. <clears throat> Further, it talks about how they are called to meet together or marry each other. Specifically, truth is called to spring out, grow, or be born from the earth. <coughs> and understandably, it is in the given situation, it's not talking about our physical earth, but the good soil of our, of our human heart, where the seed of truth is transformed by confession into the word of truth. When it says that as a response from such a spring up or growth of truth from the earth, righteousness shall look down from, from heaven, then it means that God will hear the truth from the earth and will look upon it or will, or will regard it, which upon practice means that he, because of the truth that shall spring from the earth, will marry her with his righteousness from heaven. As a result of such a mar marital union that happens within our heart, God will give his seed and the good soil of our heart will produce its fruit, demonstrated demonstrated in the works of righteousness. A very, uh, very well explained uh, truth. And so to be able to understand it in full, I had to reread this a couple of times because there's a little bit, uh, a lot of spe specific things that are being noted here mercy and truth, righteousness and peace, why mercy collaborates with righteousness, why truth collaborates with God's peace. And so when God began, or pastor began to explain all of these things, then it all fell into its into place. In our life, mercy and truth need to meet. And righteousness and peace need to kiss. All begins with mercy. It, this is when God justifies us. When God talks about mercy, he talks about justification. The Lord justifies us. And we know justification, it comes together with righteousness. Mercy and truth. And so mercy, it is connected with the, the righteousness of God, but we cannot receive righteousness until righteousness and peace come to uh, kiss together. How can we have it in our life that the righteousness of God can So that the righteousness of God can and peace can kiss. Justification has the root, which is righteousness. Righteousness is always justification, but justification is not always righteousness. Why? Because mercy is not always righteousness, but righteousness is always mercy. Justification is not always righteousness, but righteousness that we receive is always justification. Justification that can't be demonstrated in righteousness will be lost. And so for justification to become righteousness so that peace would be able to kiss with right, the righteousness of God, I need the truth. Mercy and truth will meet. And so it turns out that the Lord in justification pursues the goal, not just to cleanse me from my sins, so that my conscience no longer... Uh, I don't. I no longer suffer from my conscience, 
But unfortunately, the next day, I may uh, desire to fall into sin again, or speak a lie, or will be jealous, or go somewhere I shouldn't go. And suddenly, you don't feel righteous again. And so, mercy, it is given to, of course, justify us and cleanse us from our sins. But the most important thing is to cleanse our conscience from dead works, so that there we can receive the truth. And so, mercy, justification is given not so that we finally not feel guilty, but that our heart be cleansed and have good soil so we can receive the truth, the truth of the Word of God. Mercy and truth need to meet, and then my righteousness will kiss with the peace of God. My goal is so that righteousness and so so that we how do we receive this right to God's righteousness in the in the word of God it is written that it is not according to the law that uh, Abraham received the inheritance but by the righteousness of faith in the life of Abraham and his descendants the peace of God kissed with the righteousness of God it's necessary for the peace of God to kiss the righteousness of God and how does this happen on earth, I need pe- uh, mercy that would meet with truth. Mercy, justification. Thank you for justification, and that in this justification, you've made my heart good, a good soil, where I can then receive the truth, and when the truth falls into my heart, I then conceal it in my heart and begin to pro- proclaim the words of faith, and I then produce the fruits of righteousness, and the fruits of righteousness that are produced by by me, that the character of Christ. This is the moment when when righteousness will kiss with the peace of God, where the Lord will can, can then find peace in us. When we're baptized in water, we're still carnal people. When Jesus uh, was born, the angel said, "What peace on earth, goodwill to men." And so, peace on earth, what does it mean, peace on earth? Peace in me. Lord, thank you I don't feel like as a sinner anymore, but that's not enough. The Lord wants us to produce fruits of righteousness. It is necessary that by producing fruits of righteousness that there be peace uh, be in heaven as well that there not just be peace on earth and men and so mercy again needs to meet with truth and mercy again and again is justification where the Lord delivers us from his sins but the most important part of justification is to prepare our heart to receive the teaching to receive the truth of God and when we receive the truth of God into our heart when we confess it when we proclaim fruits of righteousness, then our righteousness can be ki- can kiss with God's peace. And this is then the bride of the Lamb. And she was given the ability to put on fine and bright linen. What What is it? Fine and bright linen. She has she became uh, one able to perform, perform God's judgments. And she needed to p- kiss the peace of God. To receive justification freely, 
receive it, not just to feel like you're without guilt, but that you're able to receive the seed into your heart, the Word of God into your heart. Proverbs 3, 3, 4, Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. And so it says, so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. And so my goal is that there got in God there be favor. And so at the end, as we know in the book of David, in his last words, when he was before he had passed away, that he had talked about that the Lord's the Lord is the one speaking through me. It's not me who speaks, but the Lord who speaks in me and through me. That's when you have achieved the perfect will of God. As we're studying the name Judas, which is praise and hearing, Simon, when the, that the Lord wants to hear our praise. Second component of the abilities contained in the name Judas Simon is called, to, is called by praise uh, to clothe us into the, into the format of an oath. And so this praise needs to be clothed into the format of an oath to give God the ability to avenge us, to subdue the pe people under us, to lift us up above those who rise against us, and deliver us from the violent man. The Lord lives, blessed be my rock. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. Psalm 1846-48 It is God who avenges me and subdues the people under me. He delivers me from my enemies. You also lift me up above those who rise against me. You have delivered me from the violent man. The first two phrases, The Lord lives, blessed be my rock, let the God of, of my salvation be exalted, speaks of the virtue contained in the name Judas. The name Judas, praise, or acceptable form of praise. The character of praise contained in these two phrases, spoken in the format of an oath, called to magnify God as the judge, who has performed salvation and made captivity captive. The following phrases, It is God who avenges me and subdues the people under me. He, deliver, he delivers me from my enemies. You also lift me up above those who rise against me. You have delivered me from the violent man. Speaks of having the abilities contained in the virtue of the name Simon, which indicates the fact that God has heard and paid attention to the praise clothed into the format of an oath. When the scriptures speak of God hearing, then this means that he has responded to the format of this praise, that he has accomplished the verdict of his, of his judgment strictly in accordance with those confessions which were the hope of David to the faith of God he had. It's interesting, Pastor will be showing throughout the collaboration of the name Judas and Simon. Judas, when I speak to God, and Simon, when the Lord hears and begins to immediately act or fulfill what is spoken. And so if in the first foundation we learn to listen to God, to hear God, why? So that we can learn to speak with God. So we can learn to speak with God. Now in the twelfth foundation, the Lord begins to hear us. 
third component of the abilities contained in the name Judas Simon is called to show the fullness of the salvation of God by the means of offering praise and being vigilant of your path or ordering your conduct aright. Psalm 50:23. Whoever offers praise glorifies me, and to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. In the given place of scripture, the phrase, whoever offers praise glorifies me, and to him who orders his conduct aright, we see the power or abilities contained in the name Judas, which means praise or praising Yahweh. To order your conduct aright means verify and search how much our confessions correspond to that faith which we have received by listening to the preached word with our heart. The final phrase, I will show the salvation of God as the power contained in the virtue of the name Simon, that in the given situation reveals the role of God to hear and respond to the consistency of the given praise. The level of salvation itself that is shown as a response to praise clothed into the format of the perfect will of God depends upon the measure of our dedication. At the same time, the, the measure of our dedication depends upon the level of the will of God with which a person collaborates and in which he continues or abides. Continuing in or abiding in a specific level of God's will depends upon the level of birth, which identifies the spiritual growth of a person. For example, an infant in Christ who is in the good will of God is not able to receive those spiritual things which are contained in the acceptable will. The reason is because he considers them foolishness. Due to this fact, a person born from water can only abide in the level of the good will of God. A person born from the Spirit can only abide in the level of the acceptable will, and a person born to the throne can abide in the perfect will of God. Considering this, we need to always keep one important thing in mind, that the necessity to bring God an offering of praise is present in all three levels of God's will. The good, acceptable, and perfect will, all of these levels of God's will, need to praise God. But in each of the given levels of God's will, praise can only pursue the goal that is identified in the essence of that will. And so the children of God, Christians, who are in different levels of God's will, why? Because they're born. One is born from water, one to the throne spirit, some already maybe to the throne, and so in different levels, and all depends on the dedication, and dedication is demonstrated in baptism in by water, Holy Spirit, and fire, <clears throat> and all of these are connected, and from in every one of these levels of God's will, we need to praise, and so how do people in the perfect will of God uh, <clears throat> Praise the 24 elders, four living creatures. Uh, blessed be God, as we know how they praise that you have saved us from every tribe and, and tongue and peoples. <clears throat> this is the uh, praise of a person in the perfect will. Why? And you say, why? Because they're thanking for redemption. Yes, but they finish. You have made us kings and priests, and we will govern with you on the earth. And you thank God for this. And so we thank God for redemption. 
But if we thank God for redemption, but we are not yet in the level of the perfect will, and we continue on by thanking God for being a king and priest when we're not yet there or haven't grown into that level, then those words will not have significance or meaning after that. Where the where we know the phrase that they state, you have made us kings and priests to, to God. And so if you replace the words that you had saved us and you have made us kings and priests, if you replace that statement with that you bring back from us from Bashan, you bring them back from depths of the sea, that their foot may crush them in blood and the tongues of your dogs may have their portion from their enemies, then it begins to sound a little bit different. And so stating this, as allow our feet to be placed into the blood of all of our enemies. And so you'll hear that people will say that they can't pray this kind of prayers. And when a person can't actually uh, allow themselves to pray such a prayer, then they are as a, a fish in water that you cannot hear. His mouth is open, but he, he... And so you need to correspond to the praise that you're stating. So we need to understand that how important it is to correspond to the words that we are actually stating before God. <clears throat> Fourth component of the abilities contained in the name Judas Simon is called to serve as a certain identifier of the kingdom of heaven in the heart of man, one, abi one who abides in God and in whom God reveals himself. Psalm 22, 3-5 but you are wholly enthroned in the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted, and you delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. In the given prayer conversation, this prayer conversation of David and God, we need to pay attention to the following moments. First, the phrase, but you are wholly enthroned in the praises of Israel, indicates that in the given praise, we see the virtue contained in the name Judas, which means praising Yahweh directly connected to the location where this offering of praise is to be brought the offering of praise where there is an absence of evidence of an organic membership to Israel does not correspond to the demands contained in the name Judas. More accurately, such an offering, according to God, is a counterfeit and an attempt to the virtue of the name Judas. <clears throat> the phrase, our fathers trusted in you, in this praise implies the organic partaking to the fathers of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you, our partaking, our connection to the fathers of Israel. Romans 9, 7 through 8. Not, <clears throat> nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham, but in Isaac your seed shall be called. That is, not, that is, those who are of the children of the flesh, those are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. 
If in our praise we do not present evidence of our partaking to the fathers of Israel, our praise according to God will be arrogance and an unlawful act. Connection with our fathers, the fathers of Israel, indicates that we are the legitimate heirs of the kingdom of heaven. The phrase, the final phrase, they trusted you and you delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. Speaks of God's role in the virtue of the name Simon, <clears throat> where God hears a person confessing and praise the faith of their heart in his perfect will. <clears throat> and so praise that is not clothed into the format of being a partaker of the fathers of Israel. <clears throat> Such an offering cannot be an identifier within a man of the kingdom of heaven. This is why many prayers will never be able to be heard by God, because this pra- these prayers have an absence of a connection to Israel or connection to the fathers. In scripture, one of the components of the identification of righteousness is fulfilling your calling that is keeping your virtue, which is the place that you hold within the church of saints, where God has placed us. This place is our virtue and our calling, and it, it, this place is demonstrated in belonging to Israel and the fathers of Israel from the position of which we are called to praise God in the format of His perfect will, and in this way perform righteousness and sanctify ourselves. One of the components of wickedness is abandoning your place or your post or refusing to fulfill your role. When a person abandons his place in the body of Christ, in the form of his church, the offering of praise which he brings to God brings out not God's favor, but his wrath. Refusing to carry responsibility God has given us is losing your righteousness and furthermore losing your virtue, demonstrated in the name Judas Simon. According to scripture, only the righteous who perform righteousness because they keep their place in the body of Christ, the place of praise, to them it is acceptable to praise God, or fitting to praise God. Psalm 33.1 Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. In the given place, it says beautiful. This is one who is, who is fitting, that is uh, acceptable before God. And so our praise, if it is brought without being an organic member of the body of Christ and having an absence of a specific uh, a specification of as to what you're praising God for if you're not specifying it then this is evidence of wickedness in us praise to the Lord for it is good to sing praises to our God for it is pleasant and praise is beautiful Psalm 147 1 beautiful praise as a praise that is fitting is one that satisfies the demands of the holiness of God, separated from evil, one not partaking in disobedience, placed in dependence of the revelations of God. A fitting form of praise is praying in accordance with the demands of time, crying out to God for help, and linked or liked by God. In other words, praise, which has evidence of hope upon God, and being partaker of the fathers of Israel and the place of praise from which the Lord will hear you and where the Lord dwells is an identifier of the kingdom of heaven in the heart of man. In scripture, the legitimacy of praise is the inherited right that belongs to exclusively the family of God. 
And so this meaning in the in praise is the demonstration of the foundation of the discipline in this that we have in our spirit. And it has it is multifaceted. It has many uh, definitions and angles. And this praise needs to always be brought up by a specific person in a specific place and in a specific order and in accordance with a specific statute. And so we see here that this a lot a lot of this requires a lot of attention because there's a lot of detail how our praise needs to be fitting before God because our goal today of of the, our service today is looking at the place where Judah Simon is written this a fitting fitting form of praise that the Lord hears how beautifully our pastor explains this this praise is brought in the format of an offering and if something is brought in the form of an offering that means we need to bring this offering in a specific way in a specific place in a specific order how many different qualities uh, <clears throat> and requirements God has so that we can praise him acceptably how do I speak to him what do I say that what is the atmosphere of my heart when I say these words all of these things are very important am I an altar have I placed myself upon this altar in this perfect will God examines all of these things so that everything corresponds to his perfect will because he will never fulfill our words if we offer our prayer not in a holy place because people say what difference does it make what church I go to this person may be heard by God but in the form of Hagar but we want to collaborate with God in his perfect will and the scriptures say that God seeks people who would be able to worship him in spirit and in truth praise that would correspond to his perfect will and praise that is corresponding to his perfect will there's a lot of uh, requirement for this the disciples asked uh, Jesus teach us to pray and they asked Jesus these things uh, teach us to praise and so that God can respond to this praise and Jesus said I will teach you he didn't say just pray as you're gonna pray and as we know that some people began to uh, pray as they desired to pray and didn't like uh, the instruction as to how we're supposed to pray uh, and rebelled <clears throat> and use phrases and words that are unacceptable in God's presence as we know the word Abba which is father this is acceptable but sometimes people begin to refer to God in a in a more of a sling like manner or in a, in a way that is not uh, respectful before him and you cannot refer to God in these other ways And 
And so sometimes people come to God and they want to receive rewards instead of following his instructions. It's like in the example of a child who needs to who wants candy, but he needs to eat his soup first. Fifth component of the abilities contained in the name Judas Simon clothes a person into the mantle of a, of learning, which is valued within the boundaries of the kingdom of heaven as the greatest form of virtue and rank. Psalm 119, 171, 172. My lips shall utter praise, for you teach me your statutes. My tongue shall speak of your word, for all your commandments are righteousness. The phrase, my lips shall utter praise, for you teach me your statutes, belongs to the name Judas, which speaks of the fact that only praise that is clothed into the mantle of learning is able to give God the ability to fulfill the consistency of the praise being brought. At the same time, the phrase, my tongue shall speak of your word, for, for all your commandments are righteousness, clearly pertains to the name Simon, where God, by the means of the confession of praise, clothed into the format of the perfect will, receives the ability to fulfill all righteousness contained in all of his commandments. Sixth component of the abilities contained in the name Judas Simon clothes a person into strength to establish that what God has done for his nation. Psalm 68, 20-28 Our God is the God of salvation, and <clears throat> to God the Lord belongs escapes from death, but God will wound the head of the enemy, the hairy scalp of the one who still goes on in his trespasses. The Lord said, I will bring back from Bashan, I will bring them back from the depths of the sea, that your foot may crush them in blood, and the tongues of your dogs may have their portion from the, your enemies. Your God has commanded your strength. Strengthen, O God, what you have done for us. This is being in the perfect will of God. <clears throat> he says, you have made us kings and priests to God, because when we think... Uh, God for the blood of Christ you have delivered us from all the nations and people this is we proclaim what he did for us and now we say allow me to put my feet into the blood of those crushed under my feet and the Lord says who is this wicked one this is the old man this is my these are my offenses in my heart. This is my greed. This is me not forgiving others. This is my rebellion. Allow me to put these enemies under my feet and crush them. And so, of course, uh, talking about this wicked uh, man, we'll look at him a little bit further. And so, if we have not yet dealt with our old man as the wicked one, The first phrase, our God is the God of salvation, and to God the Lord belong escapes from death, but God will wound the head of his enemies, the hairy scalp of the one who still goes on in his trespasses. This is uh, a demonstration of, of praise that is clothed into the format of an oath that belongs to the perfect will of God, where we see specifically uh, the name of Judas. The Lord said, I will bring back from Bashan, I will bring 
them back from depths of the sea, that your foot may crush them in blood, and the tongues of your dogs may have their portion from their enemies. We see here the name of Simon in the phrase, the Lord has spoken. He received the ability, the Lord has received the ability of what has been proclaimed in this praise. And it says, do for us, I'm paraphrasing, and do for us what you have said, because they are, this is the lot of God where a person receives uh, into his possession or has received what he has asked for. Here, a person proclaims the non-existent as existent. We proclaim praise. We, we utter this praise. And for in the perfect will, then we utter this praise to God in the status of His perfect will. And we immediately thank God that the Lord has fulfilled what He has said. And you may say, well, maybe we should wait until the Lord fulfills it. No, because we are already thanking God for what He has done. Because you are proclaiming God's will in His perfect will. And the time will come when it will actually occur and happen. And thank Him uh, that the old man has been thrusted out from your body with noise. That you already have this promise and that you, you proclaim that it's already been accomplished. And we thank the Lord. Uh, and, we, and we thank Him, we proclaim the not existent as existent. And may the, the resurrection of, of life be enthroned within my body. We proclaim this as existent in our life. This does what? This, this inspires God to be able to fulfill it. Because just saying that everything is in God's hands. It is in God's hands and it is according to God's time. But He, he levels His time with ours. The Lord has spoken his judgments. A person repents and the, the Lord again uh, fixes his clock. And so he can fix this clock when necessary. But by uh, he does do this uh, listening to a person who is in his perfect will. He, according to the word of this person, can turn back time. Seventh component of the abilities contained in the name Judas Simon is called to clothe us in God into fearlessness, so we not fear the flesh that seeks to harm us. Psalm 56, 3-10 Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise His name. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear what can flesh do to me. Then my enemies will turn back. This I know, because God is for me. In God, I will praise His word. In the Lord, I will praise His word. In the given place of scripture, we see a great example of the perfect will of God. The phrase, whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear what can flesh do to me. These are prayer words, and they demonstrate the fact that David had this in himself, in the name Judas. And where it says, then my enemies will turn back, this I know, because God is for me, this speaks of the fact that uh, David had the the name Simon in himself because he says the Lord heard him. The result of collaborating with the abilities contained in the name Judas and Simon 
in our heart we will then have fear and it throws out the fear that is from the flesh that actually threatens us and so now we are going to pray and I together with brother Arkady from him not from me myself I rec- we receive confession the apostle uh, is able to receive confession or one who has been delegated from the apostle to be able to do this <clears throat> and because uh, he's absent in the moment I take have taken this uh, position for the meantime to be able to receive these confessions and pastor has given me specific boundaries within which I can actually receive it and I am when I call to repentance it's not Daniel calling to repentance it is <clears throat> it is me calling on behalf of our apostle uh, people to repentance <clears throat> so we can call for the mercy of God and so this mercy can be met with truth and so righteousness can kiss the peace of God so we become the children of God's peace the heirs of God's peace <clears throat> we wait for you here at the altar I will be praying our prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that God is on your side he's not against you he has loved us with an eternal love he has given us the work of his redemption he has stood between us and our enemies to protect us and to lift us up to his level close your eyes this is your secret room lift your hands to God this is a sign that your hands are without wrath or doubt Pray together with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you and upon this holy place in the church of your holy nation, I open my heart so that you may see my pain, my suffering, my wounds inflicted by sin and lust, which I hate and that I reject. I come to you with my dependence, with sin that I'm bound with, illnesses, fears, a pampered dignity and dishonor. I come to you and I ask your forgiveness. Wash me, cleanse me, heal my wounds, restore me 
and protect me with the blood of your Son. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with his great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they will not touch you. May upon you the blessings of the ancient mountains and everlasting hills be. May these blessings be upon you and upon your children, and the nation shall say, Amen. Right now we were stating praise before God, that God always hears. And it speaks of God's mercy, of justification. As children of God, we we pray for justification. The Lord justifies us. He forgives us. Let us remember the most important thing that we heard today and the lesson that we needed to take from. Justification is given not just so that we feel without sin. It's pleasant. It's wonderful but also to prepare our heart so that it become a good soil so that the mercy can meet with truth so that we could receive the truth, the teaching, and so that this teaching, this truth, would be able to grow into fruits of righteousness in our heart. And when we grow the fruit of righteousness, then righteousness and peace will kiss. And the Lord will then say, this is the bride of the Lamb. And she will be given the ability to put on fine and bright linen. Let us finish with our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.